Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of the womb will be blessed. And your crops and your land and the young of your livestock, the calves and your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your baskets, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come out you in one direction and flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways... Then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty, to send rain on your land in the seasons and bless all the work of your hands. You will lead many nations, but will borrow. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God, and I give you this day, and carefully follow them, you will always. Be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all of his commands and decrees that I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion and rebuke and everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to a sudden ruin. Because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land you're entering to possess. The Lord will strike you with a wasting disease and fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, and with bright and mildew, by bright and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. The sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath will be iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. It will come down like the skies until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them with one direction, but flee from them in seven. You will become a thing of horror. 
to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses will be food for the, all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and there will be no one to frighten them away. Thank you, Neville. What a way to end a Bible reading. <laughs> At this point, um, if you're new and visiting, thanks so much to be here. Uh, we don't avoid the tricky passages. And if you've brought someone along, you're probably panicking, going, what the? What are we doing? Uh, we're um, continuing in our series through Deuteronomy. But before we get into it, think about this. Actions have consequences. There's causes and effects. If you um, go and steal money from a bank, uh, the police will catch you and put you in prison. There's a cause and effect. If you stay up late watching Netflix, late into the, uh, the early hours of the morning, you won't get much sleep. The next morning, you'll be tired Throughout the day, you'll lack concentration, you'll be less productive. If you run a red light, you might get a ticket, but you also risk an accident. And also the message that it might send to those, to others in your car. If you consistently eat unhealthy food, you don't exercise, that will lead to poor health, that leads to a compromised immune system. But on the other hand, you have a healthy diet, and regular exercise, that will lead to good health, better immune system, and even better mental health. There's cause and effect, actions and consequences, and we can all see and understand that in the world around us. And what our passage today is unpacking is the cause and effects around, will we follow the law of the Lord? This is speaking to the Israelite people. There are consequences to how they respond to God's law. Now, like I said, we're moving through this series in Deuteronomy. These are the words. These are the words that Moses preached to the Israelite people as they were on the edge of uh, the desert, about to enter into the promised land that God had promised them. And just before they do that, Moses uh, preaches to them this stirring message to call them to be faithful to the covenant, to unpack for them the law and how they'll work out in the land. And uh, where, where we get, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the series. We've only got four more sermons. Now, for some, that'll be a disappointment. For others, that's a relief, uh, and I get that. But uh, just a bit of context for, from our passage today. We're looking at Deuteronomy 28. In 27, uh, Moses instructs them, what, like, what are they meant to do as they enter into the land? What's the first thing they do? And it's really interesting. He says, when, as you go in, Put six tribes on Mount Gerizim to proclaim blessing. And put six tribes on Mount Ebal to pronounce curses. And the Levites will be in the middle to kind of proclaim the blessings and curses and probably recite the passage, the reading that we've had. And it, it kind of goes on. So just to, actually, just a moment to kind of get us in that headspace to experience what the Israelites may have experienced. If everyone on this side could stand up and face 
the left side of the room. And if everyone on this side could stand up and face the right side of the room. And those on the left can proclaim blessings, so just say blessings. blessings. On the right, curses. curses. Blessings. Curses. Blessings. Curses. All right, you can sit down. Just imagine that on two mountains and millions and millions and millions of people doing that. It's kind of this, this like live action, very real experience the Israelites did as they entered the land. And it, and it says that this happened in Joshua 8.34. Um, they did as, as what was written in the book of law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel. The women, the little ones, the sojourners who lived among them. And they do this, and this comes at the end of the book as a kind of a kind of altar call, compelling Israel to follow the law. Like kind of sets out two ways to live, two paths to travel down. There's obedience to law that leads to blessing. And there's disobedience that leads to the curses. And so what we'll, what we'll do here is we'll have a look at uh, this, this passage where Moses kind of preaches and, and unpacks what are the blessings, what are the curses for Israel if they are obedient or disobedient to the law. We'll kind of look at the structure and content of the blessing and curses. And then we'll look at how this works out in the rest of the Bible and how... What, like, what does it mean for us today? And the first thing that Moses kind of unpacks and discusses is the blessings. That if, if Israel, as they enter into the land, if they follow the law, what will follow the obedience is blessing. And he unpacks it. And there's the, the from verse 3 to uh, 6 is a kind of a list of blessings and six blessings. That kind of corresponds to the six tribes that were set up on Mount Gerizim. Blessed in the place that you are, you will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. You're blessed in the fruit of your womb. You're blessed in your crops. You're blessed in your livestock. You're blessed in your basket and kneading trowel, like your work. You're blessed in your coming and going, wherever you go and come from. There's this kind of holistic blessing that's promised for Israel. And then, and then kind of Moses continue, continues working out. He talks about you'll be, um, uh, the enemies that rise up against you will be defeated. The Lord will send a blessing to your barns and everything you put your hand to. You'll, you know, the ground, uh, incredible prosperity. And you will be established as God's holy people. As Israel are obedient to the law as they enter into the land, there's a consequences for that obedience. There's an effect to that cause. What will come is health, prosperity, victory. That's what's promised to the Israelites if, if they obey the law. Now, I wish I could spend most of the sermon on the blessings, that would be a really comfortable space to sit in, wouldn't it? To talk about the blessings of God and, and what it means. But you probably noticed that this passage has a lot more to say about the curses 
than it does the blessings. And we only, we only kind of read the first part of the curses. It, kind of the rest of the chapter all the way through to 68 uh, talks about the curses that would come if Israel are disobedient. And so to look at those, there's, there's, uh, it, it kind of is introduced with these six summary curses as well, which correspond to the, the six blessings and corresponds to the six tribes that were standing on Mount Ebal. You'll be cursed from verse 16. You'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the country, wherever you are. Your basket and your kneading trowel will be cursed. Your work, what you're doing. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your hand, the, cow, the calves of your herds and lambs of your flocks. You'll be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. Again, this, this kind of holistic, we disobey God's law, the consequences is curses. Dire curses. And kind of what, what follows is, is this constant kind of escalating unpacking of what those curses would be. When, as Israel fails to follow God's law, what are the consequences of that? And gosh, I, like this week, there's been a couple of times where I've been, you know, deep in study through these curses. And I've just come out, and Anne can tell you this come out of the office, I've gone, oh, wow, like, this is heavy stuff. I feel like I need a shower or just, like, wash all this off me because it's, it, it's deep. And I also, you know, the passage we had read was pretty harsh, was the nicest part of the passage to read. Because <laughs> um, it kind of gets, it escalates and gets deeper and darker. The, the just going to give you a visual or an idea of what the, the curses are structured in is it's got three main sections and in the first section there's three parts and each part there's three points. Did you get that? <laughs> well, all, all this to say is that in the first section kind of unpacks what's the immediate or like the, the, the ongoing impact of disobeying God's law and it kind of corresponds to the blessing. Instead of health and prosperity and victory, what Israel will experience is famine, plague, and defeat. And this is this in the first section, which is through to 46, is this, this reoccur these thir three things mentioned again and again and again, unpacked in different ways, and again in kind of escalating detail. In the passage that we had read, verse 21, the Lord will plague you with diseases until he's destroyed you from the land you're entering to possess. Uh, and then verse 23, the sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath you iron. The Lord, Lord will turn rain of your country into dust and power, powder. So there's, there's, there's famine and disease, there's uh, plague. And then verse 25, the Lord will cause you to be defeated by your enemies. The enemies that Israel were to go in and to defeat and completely annihilate so that they could be the people of God, those same enemies, because they didn't obey the Lord, would come and defeat them. And kind of this, these three themes kind of grow and are unpacked again in 27 to 34, famine, plague, defeat. 35 to 46, famine, plague, defeat. It just keeps escalating. And that's the first section, famine, plague, defeat. Then the next, next part from verse 47 kind of describes another element 
of the curse that would come from the Israel's disobedience. And that's, they would come under siege. Verse 49, the Lord will bring a nation against you from far away. So because Israel is not faithful to God and they disobey, there will be a nation that will come from afar. And verse 52, they will lay siege to all the cities in your land until the high fortified walls in which you trust, and not trust in God, they trust in these great walls they built, they will fall down. And there will be siege all the cities throughout the land your God is giving you. So what is promised, if they don't obey the law, if they don't follow what God has commanded them as they come into the land, they'll experience famine, plague, defeat. But then also another nation will come and lay siege to Israel. That's the second section. And the last section, it, like, it kind of escalates again. Not only... Only, not only will they experience famine, plague, defeat in, within their own nation, not only will they be besieged and, and their own authority and control be taken away from them, the last section talks about the exile of Israel, that, that the nation of Israel will cease to exist because another nation will come and defeat it and they'll be scattered. From verse 62, you who are as numerous as the stars in the sky will be left but few in number, because you did not obey the Lord your God. Just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase in number, so it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You will be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all nations from one end of the earth to the other. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. And among those nations you will find no Repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. Israel will cease to exist as a nation. But there will be that remnant. Though they were a great nation, they'll be brought to but a few. And this, these, these curses are hard. And I, I won't go into the detail. And some of the detail is quite graphic and horrible but it kind of shows this this kind of escalating distance from God if the blessings and we'll, we'll talk about this a bit later the blessings is kind of the experience of the presence of God the curses are the experience of the distance from God firstly distance and disconnection from the goodness that God has offered that offers. They, they, they experience famine, plague, defeat, but then also distance from God's protection. There's another nation that comes in and lays siege to Israel. And then distance from the place that God is. Israel's scattered and exiled. And there's this kind of escalating um, consequence to disobeying God's law. There's dire, serious, harsh consequences for Israel disobeying God's law. Now, what do we, what do we make of these curses? This is this is heavy stuff to work through. The first thing to to share, like to think about, is that some of these things are actually the direct consequences of dis disobeying specific laws. So, the laws around taking care of the land and and um, uh, giving the land rest every seven years. If the Israels don't obey that, then the land will become dry on and unhospitable. 
and there will be famine because Israel didn't care for the land. They were irresponsible with their care of the land. Last week, we saw how um, sexual promiscuity can lead to cycles of poverty. And also, like, not worshipping God alone leads people to stray and invites other nations in, and those other nations will come and attack and defeat and lay siege to Israel. Some of the consequences of straying from God's law is just the natural outcomes of, of, of those actions. And it's not, it's not the sense that this is just karma, of like, if you do a bad thing, bad things will happen to you. And it's not just natural consequences, but it's the act of God's judgment against those who would turn away from his law. Turn away from him. And even the natural consequences are a form of God's judgment. I was talking to one of our elders, Mike Lamy, during the week, and he had this gem of wisdom. God has ordered the world such that if we come against God's natural order, there are consequences and that's a form of God's judgment. There, there's consequences in God's ordered world. There's judgment. Now, this might point out God to be a tough tyrant, a, a angry, uh, benevolent, ang- um, aggressive, vengeful God. Nothing like the God we know and love in the New Testament. Nothing like the God we know and love through Jesus. But if someone, if someone were to... Give their child whatever they wanted. Just only bless them and encourage them. And uh, they would never discipline that child. They would never enforce consequences for their actions. We wouldn't call that love. We'd call that irresponsible. The opposite of love is not anger and wrath. The opposite of love is indifference. And these curses as harsh and horrible as they are, they're tools of God's love, calling the Israelites back to him, calling the Israelites back into relationship, calling back Israel's, the Israelites back into obedience to him. There's this plea implicit in this passage, you are my people, so obey me, obey me, obey me. It's best for you because you are in relationship with me, says God. Now, even, even like deeper in that, this is part of God's covenant with his people. And a covenant is like this special relationship that, that nations would have with one another and that God had with Israel. And part of the normal covenant uh, agreements was instructions and laws and like how people were to, to live out the, the, the rules of the agreement and the rules of this relationship. And often in the ancient Near East and when Deuteronomy was written, there's, there was uh, treaties where they had blessings and curses. Blessings if you lived according to the covenant, curses if you didn't. So it was a very normal kind of paradigm for in, in the, the writing of the time. Through it all, there's this incentive like to keep the covenant, to remain faithful to the law that God has given the Israelites. And there's these repeated lines in verse 1, if you obey, if you obey the covenant, if, verse 9, if you obey. And then 
in verse in the curses section, there's there's even more. If you don't obey in verse 15, if you don't obey in verse 47, if you don't in verse 58, there's this call that Israel would be faithful and obey the law. And there's consequences in if if they don't. And like, why are they called to be obedient? So that God has his people that just do whatever he wants. No, it's so that they would be his people. It's about relationship, not regulations. In verse 10, in verse 9, it says, The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised on oath. Then all the people on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. And so Israel are called to obedience, not for their prosperity, but for proclamation, to show the world what God is like. And there's blessings that come with obedience and curses, consequences that come with with turning away from God's law. Now this speaks to the specific setting of Israel. Moses is giving instructions to the people of Israel. And these blessings and curses, we don't necessarily take these out and apply them to ourselves. There's a context this is being written into. But kind of looking at how the rest of the Bible understands and kind of engages with this passage is really illuminating. Like kind of um, unlocks how to understand the rest of the Bible. And as again, as tricky as these, these passages are, it's really exciting to understand, uh, and when we understand the blessing and curses promised for, for the relationship Israel has with God, that unlocks, like, it kind of makes the history of Israel make a little more sense. It helps give context to the prophetic writings, particularly some of the really confusing, tricky parts of the pre- prophets. Books like Lamentations is just an outworking of, of these curses. A lot of the Psalms cover the same stuff. It also gives context in which Jesus enters into the world. Kind of gives a a picture of the state of the world as Jesus comes into it. And so the, the kind of historical unpacking of these blessings and curses, you could read you could read these curses as a history of Israel, though it's written beforehand. Now, they, they obey as they enter into the land and they're blessed. But most of the time for is, the Israelite history, they disobey and they turn away from God. And the consequences are plague, pestilence, and defeat. And even the, the, like Assyria, the nation of Assyria comes and lays siege over Israel, destroys the northern nations and lays siege to Judah. And then later on, Babylon comes and completely decimates all of Israel, all of Judah, the southern states as well, and they're exiled. And so what is, what is conditioned in Deuteronomy 28 comes to pass, actually happens. Now that, that fall of Israel and, and the nation being defeated in that way and being exiled didn't cancel the covenant it wasn't a case where this, like, it's a lost cause. The relationship's over. You've, you've, Israel's betrayed God, and so he gives up, and he, he allows them to be defeated. 
it actually confirms that the details of the covenant are coming to pass, that there are the consequences of Israel's unfaithfulness and disobedience came and happened exactly as it's spelled out in, in Deuteronomy 28. And so it's not like denying the covenant or dismantling covenant, but actually confirming it. And there was this, this um, I said it before, there's a remnant, a small portion of Israel that, re, that remains, and eventually they come back. And it's interesting to know that Israel became much more obedient, much more insistent on following the law after they returned to exile. But following the law, obedience, wasn't the answer to solve their problem. We think of this theologically and kind of how the prophetic writings unpack and work with these blessings and these curses. They, the, the prophetic writings like Isaiah and Ezekiel and then even later on in books like Revelation, they take these blessings and curses and they use them to paint a picture of what the world is like. And the world is cursed. The world has turned away from God. There's war, poverty, conflict, sickness, confusion, a mental health crisis. There's a loneliness epidemic. Even just looking at what is happening in Israel now, there's, we can see that there's something wrong with the world. The world is not as it should be. And we are living in the consequences of a world that's turned away from God. Turn its back on the God who created us. So where is our hope in the midst of this cursed world, in this, these consequences we find ourselves in? Now, what these blessings and curses are doing is, is unpacking the dynamics of what our relationship with God and our relationship with each other is. If we disobey the law, if we disobey the law that God's given us, that leads to consequences. And our relationship with God is compromised, but also our relationship with other people are compromised. And there's hurt, there's pain, there's brokenness, there's conflict. But if we obey the law... And that leads to blessing. And, and, and it's relational blessing. We're, we're good with God, but good with other people. And there's um, joy and uh, we help each other out. And there's um, prosperity and there's, there's good things that come out of that. But the answer to the problem is not, we just need to do better. That we were not following the law. We just need to follow the law and that will fix everything and we'll experience blessing. There's something much more deeper going on. And this, this is caught throughout Deuteronomy. You can see this again and again in Deuteronomy 5, 8, 11, 30. And it, it's about what's going on in our hearts. What's the condition of the heart? The command, the big command of Deuteronomy is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. Deuteronomy 11 says circumcise your hearts. We need a transformed, changed heart. Deuteronomy 30 says we need to turn back to God in our hearts. But deeper than whether we're obeying or disobeying, deeper than that is what idols or desires have captured our hearts to turn us away from God. 
What is ruling our hearts to convince us that disobeying God's law is the better option, is the more profitable thing for us. And it might be the blessings that this world has to offer us that, that kind of entice us and convince us that moving away from God, moving away from His law is the better option. But like Jesus said, wide is the road and many go down the path that leads to destruction. But narrow is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. The problem's not the action level, it's the heart level. And what's needed is not obedience, but repentance. And implicit in all these curses is this call for Israel to return to God, to come back, to repent, to to restore that relationship that's been broken. And in 29 and 30, in 29, uh, the second half of 29, it kind of unpacks and shares, assumes that these curses are going to happen. And in 30, it says after they happen, because we know they will, we know you won't be obedient, repent, come back. In 30 verse, verse 1 to 3, it says, When all these blessings and curses I've set before you come on you, and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations... And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey Him with all of your heart and with all your soul according to everything I commanded you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations from where He has scattered you. There's this call to repent and return to God, to change our hearts from following idols and desires and ourselves to following God. But there's still, there's still a problem because our hearts are also victims to the curse of this world. Our hearts are corrupted. It's our hearts that led us down the wrong path in the first place. We need a transformed heart. And to do that, God himself bore the curse for us. In Isaiah 53, it talks of uh, this, this one who would come, who would bear the curse for us. And, and hear what it says from verse 4. Surely he, would took up, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We are cursed because we disobey the law. And we're not freed from the curse by obeying the law because we failed the law. We're freed by the one who's come to fulfill the law. That's Jesus. Jesus came and he said, I've come not to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it. And he, he fulfills the law. He takes on the curse when he dies on the cross. Galatians 3 speaks of this. In 3.13, it says, Christ redeems us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree or on a pole. 
Jesus took on the curse, all the consequences of our sin, our rebellion, our disobedience. He took that on himself and paid for it in full so that we could have a transformed heart and we could live in the blessing of God. What God fundamentally asks of us is not obedience, but repentance. That we would turn back to God and be forgiven. And we're forgiven through the work that Jesus has done for us. Now, does this mean that we don't need to obey the laws? That because Jesus has worn the curse, we don't need to worry about that anymore? No. If, if that's what we read into it, then we've missed the point. All of this is about the relationship we have with God. And Jesus didn't die so that we could be free from the consequences of sin. He died so that we'd be free from sin. And that we'd be restored in a relationship with God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. He died so we have a transformed heart. And a transformed heart loves and obeys the law of God. Now, does this mean that if we obey the law, that we'll experience all the blessings and prosperity now? That we'll get health, wealth, and victory? No. A lot of the New Testament kind of unpacks that Christians should expect to, to suffer. That it actually, there's a cost for following Jesus. But the reward is so much greater. Because the blessing that comes, the blessing that's promised Israel, the blessing that's promised to all of Christians, anyone who put their trust in Jesus, is the very presence of God. Verse 9 from Deuteronomy 28 talks, the blessing is God will establish you as his holy people. His holy people. And in Revelation, so like the picture that the Apostle John got, the vision he had of the end, the kind of like where the big ending that all the world is heading towards, the picture of, of the paradise, the end of all things, where everything's restored and everything's fixed, the great undoing of the curse, the picture that's given, or the reality that's told, is that it's a place where God would dwell with his people. He says, you will be my people, and I will be your God. It's not in the prosperity that's promised that we find hope. It's in the presence of God himself. It's in the relationship we have with him. And so to finish up, there are consequences for our actions. There are consequences for our actions. We are living in the consequences of a broken world. Where are those consequences turning us? So we experience a lot of the brokenness of this world. How are we responding to that? The world is not as it should be. We know that. All of us, deep in us, know that the war in Israel at the moment, the poverty throughout the world, cancer, loneliness, death is not how things are meant to be. 
We're living in the consequences of a broken world. But Jesus came to free us from the sin, to free us from our disobedience so that we could walk in the blessing of God. Now, we, might, we still live in this world that's broken. We'll still experience hurt. We'll still experience suffering. But we have a hope that one day God would return and he will make things, all things right once and for all. And he will recreate the world. And in this new world that he creates, there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more curses. Because we will be in the very presence of God. We are his people and he is our God. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And this is eternal life. Knowing Jesus and the one who sent him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, yeah, this passage is humbling. (laughs) It's hard. And we've really only scraped the surface. But Lord, we thank you that you are a God that pursues us, that even though we fail and we've turned away from you and we've turned from you to other things of this world or put our trust in ourselves or other things, we've turned away from you. We've sinned. We've transgressed. We've betrayed you. And there are consequences to that. Lord, we thank you that that's not where you left us. That you love us enough to pursue us and even give your own son to wear the consequences of our sin so that we can live in the consequences of your blessing the outworking of your goodness. And Lord, we pray that again and again that we would keep coming back to you, keep repenting, keep confessing our sin and keep eagerly seeking you more and more. That you would draw us to yourself. And Lord, I know that there is stuff going on in people's lives. There is sickness and illness and death of loved ones and there's this there's conflict around the world that is just overwhelming god our only hope is you through it all not the not the blessing that you promised but you yourself and lord we just pray you keep drawing us to you you keep giving us a vision of who you are you would keep showing us your goodness and lord we do pray for healing We do pray for rest and peace. But more importantly, Lord, we pray we would be faithful to you. We would know your love and that we would be obedient to your word through Jesus Christ. We pray all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.